United's labored victories over Ammonia and Everton rehashed issues that we've seen time and time again. On this week's Devils in the Details, these matches are the backdrop of a wider discussion about why United are struggling so much, the importance of fixing an out-of-form Sancho, and concerns around Martial's injury woes. We then turn to the match against Newcastle and discuss the futures of a few sideline players. Case, it's our 10th episode. Cool milestone? Yeah, of course. Um, seems like, really, really, this has been everything we hoped it would be, right? It seems like there's interest in it, uh, at least the, the angle that we're coming at the game from. Yeah, welcome to our 10th episode. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's moved a lot quicker than I thought it would. We've done a lot of really cool things. Mm. I can't believe it's only episode 10 in a way. We got music, uh, we got Carl and Om, and we've actually discussed a whole lot of topics around United this season. And today we're going to come to you with a few more. So let's get started with that. Um, Ammonia. Case, to be honest, I had to leave watching this game at halftime. I had a crazy week. And I mean, I wasn't particularly happy with what I, with what I saw in the first half. So I wasn't actually that upset about having to leave. Um, I'm sure people are more interested in hearing about the Everton game. But give me a quick too long didn't watch review of the comeback against Ammonia and the game overall. Yeah, I mean, I think Ammonia is a significantly worse side than we are. We were unlucky to go behind, even though we were really stagnant going forward in the first half. Didn't do enough to create big chances. Really just a stagnant display going forward, and then um, some individual errors leading to that one goal. Second half, a lot better, but Ammonia were just generally, they they played poorly, they were stretched, and that really suited Martial and, and Rashford, and they took advantage of it. I don't think there's much news to print there. We should be playing better against Ammonia, frankly, but also not too much to worry about, I don't think. We were unfortunate to go behind. So, Yeah, I think there's a good opportunity to kind of remedy the uh, should have done better this week, so hopefully it's better going forward. The one thing that I wasn't quite... I mean, I guess the one topic of conversation that I thought was interesting was I thought Malasia really struggled in this mm. match with more space and time on the ball than usual. And I was expecting him to be a lot better. And I guess Ten Hag was also expecting him to be a lot better because Shaw was in the starting 11 against Everton. And and, um, and Malasia got hooked later in the match. So Yeah, so what's the deal with Malasia right now? Like, I, I think he's been quite athletic and good defensively, largely. Um, I think his aggression contributes a lot to the success of the system or the relative success of the system, I would say. But in this match, he looked incapable of doing the things that I think he was signed to do. So do you expect that to get better? What's the what's the sort of situation there? I definitely think I expect things to get better. Ammonia is a, is a lower level than the level he was playing at domestically last season and, and his previous uh, seasons in senior football. He should be able to, to offer a lot more in, in these settings. Uh, and I know for a fact that he can because he did. As for why this is happening... Part of me thinks it's a tactical instruction. These fullbacks really are, just aren't getting forward much, regardless of who's playing. They're just not getting into the final third very often. And, and you know, we see these deliberate tactical instructions in particular in build-up, where the fullbacks are coming narrow in certain scenarios, depending on how the opposition is oriented and where the ball is. So I think part of it is that. But then on the other hand, he's just not being very incisive in possession. And I can't speak to why that's going on. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure either. And I'm obviously less familiar with his Feyenoord days than with his sort of more recent football that we haven't seen that much of him on the ball. So I'm not really fully sure what to expect going into it. But uh, based on how you speak of him, I guess I just haven't seen what sort of we're supposed to be getting out of Alasia. And I think maybe another player that's in a similar spot is Sancho. You talked about how the fullbacks are not getting that far forward. And depending on the orientation, they come inside the pitch more often than they get far up the pitch. Um, And I think that's one of many factors that are affecting Sancho, who was also dropped for the Everton game and then not even brought on when Martial got injured. We're going to talk about Sancho a fair bit, I think, in this episode because he's struggling in certain areas, but also could be a solution in some other areas. But let's say he's going to stay as a left winger, right? How do we make that work right now? How do we get him to produce more than he has so far? I think Shaw has to start. I think Shaw was actually quite good against Everton, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. I thought he was very yeah. good. Um, yeah, I thought he was good. And I, and I thought he took to, in particular, to the role in possession and build-up uh, really, really well, which I think was a concern in preseason that he hadn't taken to it as well as Malassi had. Uh, clearly, there's been a lot of growth there. Um, we're also seeing him use his weak foot, which was a talking point surrounding a limitation in his game as compared to Malassia. But just generally... Yeah, Shaw has the capacity to affect games in the final third far more than Malassia does at this point, even in a more restricted role. Uh, so I think that's item number one. Shaw should be starting. It's an easy solution. I think Sancho will also benefit from Martial playing, but I, th- there's a huge question mark net there now, right? How seriously injured is he? Is Does it really matter how seriously injured he is this time if he just keeps on getting these knocks? And then uh, an- another thing... It, that I think is limiting Sancho. Uh, and if I, I imagine some of you have, have already read it, but I wrote an article about this this past week on what's happening to Sancho, some of the external reasons he might be struggling as opposed to the obvious internal struggle, struggles that he's having as well. I think Bruno doesn't really compliment him as an attacking midfielder. Um, and I don't think the behavior of any of the midfielders is really complimenting him. If you watch all of our wingers, when they have the ball wide, uh, they really infrequently have a horizontal passing option into the box. Like the next time you see Anthony or Rashford or Sancho or whoever's playing on the wings with the ball and what you might perceive as a situation to take on your defender or put in a cross, look to see whether there's a United attacker behind, horizontally on the pitch, behind the defender that is marking that winger. And because the sort of that layoff pass whether it's available or not, whether it's playable or not, it being there has a huge effect on the way Sancho plays from left wing. And it also has a huge effect on how Anthony plays from left wing. And I think that's part of why people have felt he's been underwhelming outside of the goal output that he's had. I think we talked a lot about how Man City kind of ripped United apart from the middle of the pitch last week. And we talked about Jack Grealish's sort of gravity and how when he has the ball, he draws players in towards him and then there's options either side of him, right? There's always an option wide of him or there should be. Um, There's always an option inside for him to make a simple sideways pass. And then there's always one, at least if not two or three options swarming the box when he's on the ball. And I think those are the types of situations you have to get Sancho with. You want to isolate him with fullbacks, but not with the expectation that he's going to take them on with the expectation that he's going to draw them in because of his ability to make that final ball and then have other options opening up for him. And what's happening now is he's drawing players in 
and he can't beat them, but the ball is also not on. And, and then you have Bruno and Malasia typically behind him. And so that's why you yeah. see a lot of back passing. He's in, he's in, occasionally he's in 1v1s, but really typically he's in 1v2s and 1v3s, and he's back passing to the top of the box because that's where the passing options are. And those are obviously non incisive options. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of work to kind of get that going. And it's sort of an interesting conundrum because, slowly moving on to the Everton game, I felt like the team that started against Everton had a pretty high sort of technical level in the players compared to sort of some of the sides we've been seeing over the past year. Dalo and Shaw's fullbacks, um, Lissandro at center back, you had Erickson, Bruno... Um, Anthony, Martial, and Rashford up front. Um, even a player like Lindelof, who probably is a little bit more stable on the ball than someone like Rafael Varane. Even Casemiro. Like, like I think it was even the only Casemiro. name you didn't... <laughs> I didn't mean to name everyone except Casemiro. But... Casemiro, like, we're, and we'll get to this as well, he's shaky under pressure, but when he's face up, he's actually a pretty good te- technician. And you saw that on the assist he had for, for Ronaldo. It was a beautiful through ball. Yeah, so I thought United had a good technical core to sort of play this match. And I also thought Everton were really poor. Um, in the first half, their goal was their only shot. And like in general, I just thought it was super easy for United to play through them. But that being said, United still somehow managed to struggle. I think we saw a lot of the element of United getting tired later on in the match and starting to make some of the same old mistakes and basically allowing Everton to dominate the final stages of the match. I think it all, it, in a way, it stems from the movement from the midfield and the attack in possession, this lack of ability to dominate games. Where previously I might have said there were a lot of issues out of possession, I feel like United are doing okay to win the ball back in many scenarios, but they're just not doing anything right once they get it back. And that type of thing is going to be make it really difficult for players like Sancho. Um, and I think that's hard to grasp because you see him struggling so much, even more than other players in this system. But it's like the system brings out his weaknesses. So how do United fix this? How do United get a system where they're able to control and maintain possession in the middle and final thirds? What's missing? So I think a big part of what's missing, uh, or at least what appears to be missing, is two things. First of all, it seems like the, the the second choice lineup, the players below that 11 that we fielded on Sunday don't have the technical ability. Uh, and even some of the players in that side don't really have the technical ability such that there's critical breakdowns. So if you watch the first 30 minutes against Everton, you'll see we were breaking lines pretty consistently and getting into relatively dangerous spaces with ease against uh, Everton's block, which was pretty porous, I think. But once Martial came off, Ericsson and Casemiro became much more reluctant to punch the ball through the lines. And I think a big part of this is that the central options, Bruno and Ronaldo, um, neither of them are really keen on receiving the ball and turning on the ball. Both of them, you'll often see them do this sort of flick, trying to find a, a teammate when they're receiving back to goal, instead of trying to just turn on the ball and play a more measured pass. Um, and sometimes it comes off and it looks like they're moving, they're, you know, increasing pace of play and creating. For the most part, it doesn't. Um, and I think the midfielders started to recognize that they were losing possession when they passed, made that forward pass. And a sort of a sense of timidity was developed during that match. And that's a huge problem. 
because if we if we're non-dynamic from the wings and we're not comfortable passing centrally, there's no way to create threat. Um, even when we do have the ball in threatening positions. Yeah, I totally agree. And I especially resonate with the point of the midfielders being very sort of, I think, okay, I put out a tweet about Bruno and Sancho sort of at full time, suggesting that Sancho maybe play in Bruno's place to be able to improve the amount or the number of orientations at which the sort of United centrally can receive in the final third and play. Um, and also carry the ball. I didn't mean it as Bruno criticism. Like, I don't think this is me saying Bruno was bad against Everton, and I don't think he was bad. And I think there's a lot of things Bruno offers, but I just think that this midfield as a whole, they're all three good players who can contribute to the team, but they all have the same issue of not really being strong carriers of the ball into space, not being particularly strong, receivers at different angles and players of the game at different angles they all like to be facing the opposition goal um, I think Erickson's probably the most adept at playing under some kind of pressure and being able to turn or being able to play a pass when he's not necessarily facing forwards but even then he's not for example you know a Frankie de Jong or in the final third a Sancho where he can receive and you know the ball is secure but also turn and make something happen with it and that level of threat, I think, forces a response that we're just not getting from the opposition now because they know that they can just square up our midfielders and sort of not expect anything to go through the lines. And I think that's just that creates a lot of issues throughout the team, which is why I kind of suggested trying Sancho, not because I think Bruno needs replacing. And honestly, with Martial injured, you could probably make an argument that Sancho has got to be in place of Ronaldo or Bruno should be in place of Ronaldo. I don't even know. But just in general, we're, I think the midfield not being able to take control of a game from being able to do resourceful things with the ball from all angles is something that totally leads to losing the ball really often. Broadly, I agree with you, but I think there's two points where maybe the Sancho and midfield thing falls apart uh, to our listeners. I think the first is... Sancho hasn't looked dynamic when he's been on the pitch this season. So there's this we're, we're talking about this, you know, this this idea where Sancho plays in place of Bruno. He receives the ball and instead of turning on it and sort of you know flicking the ball or trying to play a first time pass with without really driving at people, he takes a few touches, maybe evades a defender, and creates something. That creates something that we're talking about is. Not necessarily like a, a game-breaking pass. Typically when you... Like one of the issues that we were seeing this past weekend was because United's midfielders were so reluctant to drive at players, it made their passing options more complicated because they, wouldn't, they weren't committing opposition defenders. If you drive into space, which is something Sancho objectively does. I can pull up the numbers now. I think he's in the 90th percentile for, for progressive carries. Whether or not you think he's an effective dribbler, and I personally don't think he's a very good 1v1 dribbler, he definitely does drive into unoccupied space. When you do that, you pull defenders out of their shape, you make them make decisions for you, and then simple passes become much easier to play. Point number two, Aaron, do you think Sancho can offer the defensive uh, output that he needs to in midfield as compared to Bruno? I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, how big do you think the difference is, first off? 
Firstly, I find it hard to quantify Bruno's defensive impact. I think he's, I think he runs more than Sancho. Um, I think he's gotten better defensively. Like a year ago, I thought largely Bruno's defensive output was just a lot of running and no particular uh, direction of influence, right? And running a lot is only good when you know where to run. Um, he would often break down United's defensive movements by running out of position, right? And it looks like he's the aggressor, but he's actually the one giving the space to the opposition. Um, I think he's doing that less now. So in that case, I would say Bruno's probably better defensively than Sancho overall. I guess I just don't know if United's defense gets better by virtue of being able to keep the ball more in the final third and being able to possess and actually have someone who can turn and receive at multiple orientations and not panic when he's under pressure in that space. Um, I think if you kept the ball more, you would probably face less defensively that you would have to deal with. And I'm always of the mindset of, preventing fires is better than being able to put out fires i definitely think it i definitely think there's a defensive trade-off i would just want to see it tried because i think the trade-off could be worth it yeah i think i broadly agree with you but i think uh to get more specific about what bruno's limitations are defensively i I would go a step further than what you said i think he is positionally flawed and, and and honestly bad defensively so as much as i agree that he runs more than sancho i think they're probably their defensive impact is pretty equal a part of that reason is bruno is responsible for more possession losses in our final third leading to big chances last season than anyone else on the team by a pretty large margin and it's because he can't break his way out of pressure and he has to play first time balls and and take risks that he really shouldn't be taking so by virtue of being so non-press resistant, I actually think Bruno has a, has a very similar defensive impact to Sancho, despite his making some of it up when we're actually out of possession. His in-possession defensive yes. impact is quite negative. Yes, I agree with the in-possession part. The out-of-possession part, I think he's gotten better this year compared to last season. Last season, I thought he was very poor defensively, like out-of-possession, not in-possession. Yep. This season, I think he's been better. I don't know. It's there's also it's worth noting that Bruno probably I think it's fair to bet on Bruno being involved in more goals and assists than Sancho at this stage. I just yeah. <laughs> think with the current limitations of this midfield, it needs a player who can carry the ball into space. And Sancho is the player we have right now that can do that. And that's why even if it's close, I think it's worth giving Sancho a shot against Ammonia, let's say, and see how it goes. See if the team plays with a little bit more fluidity than last week. Yeah. And and see if they can, you know, do a little bit more in possession than they did with Bruno. And then maybe next summer you sign a really good carrier from deep and you get the fullbacks further forward and then Sancho can go back out wide and Bruno can come back in in the center. Um, I'm sure even if Sancho plays regularly in the center of the pitch this year, Bruno will still play a lot of minutes. He can probably play slightly deeper. I wouldn't. He could probably play further forward. We have a lot of like availability issues with the striker. I mean, I've seen people even suggesting, you know, you can try Sancho up front. I know when Anthony joined, Ten Hag said something to the effect of Sancho is better centrally or left, which to me 
implies that he sees Sancho as a player who could play centrally, even if it was a small detail of an interview. So let's, let's get into that for a second, though. We've, we've been on Sancho for a while, but I think this is a really interesting question. Let's transition into the Martial question um, and then tie him back together. Martial obviously looks like he's not going to be able to stay fit for a full season. Um, that's what it looks like right now. Do you think Sancho playing as a false nine is, is an option? Do you think that's like a, a genuine solution? And if so, why? What do you think he produces that Martial does versus what do you think he doesn't produce that Martial does produce? What are, what are the what are we missing versus what are we keeping? So I think the root of suggesting Sancho in Martial's place is through a sort of oversimplified idea of what the number nine is expected to do in possession and why Martial is so effective there. People are essentially saying Martial is technically a very clean player. Martial is technically good on the ball. Um, and Sancho is technically a very clean player. Sancho is technically good on the ball. The other players who are options at nine, you've got Ronaldo, Rashford. We haven't seen a Langa, but we'll say it. We'll throw a Langa in there too. Are not as clean technically, not as good on the ball in tight spaces. And so therefore you try Sancho there instead of Ronaldo, Rashford, or Alanga if you're trying to replicate the impact that you don't get from Martial. The reason why I say that's oversimplified is because I think fundamentally the role in possession of this number nine is very different to the role in possession of other technically sound players in the team. Mainly in the fact that the number nine spends a lot of time playing with their back to goal. We don't have a ton of evidence that Sancho can do that. We don't have a ton of evidence that he can't, but we don't have a ton of evidence that he can. So anything we say at this point is experimental, is what I'll say. It's it's speculative. But I would consider trying Sancho in this position because I think the things he can provide are with him facing forward, Definitely better play in possession than Ronaldo and Rashford. Better decision-making. Martial is a masterful decision-maker in transition on the ball. I think Sancho offers that too. A lot of people who are very much in favor of Martial will say he's the glue. And it's because he makes it feel like it's easy to get the ball from the left side of the pitch to the right side of the pitch because of the way he shows for the ball. And we've talked about this a lot, right? Martial shows for the ball to the point where it's a weakness. He shows for the ball in situations where he should be making runs. But what that means is that he's always available to receive the ball. He's very good at keeping it in tight spaces, and he can release it. So you'll often see much quicker movements between the ball being from the left side to the right side, which is something I see United struggling with a lot, especially if Bruno's playing at number 10. Because like we said, Bruno's not receiving at different orientations and releasing the ball seamlessly, right? So in those respects, I think Sancho could be very impactful. I also think he's a pretty good off-ball mover. I think he moves well in tandem with other players in the system. I think that's different to being a last-line striker. But I also don't think Rashford's a good last-line striker in that sense either. Um, I don't really think he makes consistent movements that lead to chances against a block. I think he's very good at running in behind, but he could still do that from left wing. Um, and I think he has still done that from left wing in matches where he's played at left wing. And Ronaldo is more effective at those types of movements but his shot generation in tight space is completely gone i don't think the goal or the i would say improved performance against everton has changed that i think he scored a goal in open space because he had time and space to be able to set up his feet perfectly to get the shot off um i don't think that we didn't learn anything new about ronaldo 
So even if his movement is slightly more traditional, I don't think he's adding those things that Martial was giving that now are missing, right? So I guess my answer is, do I think Sancho can replicate Martial's impact? Unlikely, probably not. Do I think he could be the next best option? Maybe. Maybe worth a shot. And I think he could make up for a lot of the issues we tend to have with Bruno at 10 that Martial tends to alleviate. And also, um, I don't know, you could even make an argument that you could flip that over. I don't know. I think Bruno is less positionally disciplined than Sancho. I think you're more likely to get Sancho to stick on the last line and be that focal point, whereas Bruno likes to drop in search of the ball and roam into certain areas when United are in possession. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think ultimately... I'm not suggesting that Sancho has been good for United. I'm not suggesting that he's in good form. I'm not even suggesting that we'll ever see him reach the levels that he reached at Dortmund for a variety of reasons. But I do think that he is a very good carrier of the ball and a very technically secure player in central areas um, and in the half spaces. And I think United lack that right now. And for that reason, I think you have to figure out a way to get him into the team, even though he's playing badly. I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying, but I would go a step further as to his suitability at center forward. I think it's really, really unlikely that he can play center forward successfully. I, I, I don't really want to see it tried, to be honest. And the reason I say that is because it's it basically the same reasons you, you were skeptic. I don't think he can offer the hold-up play that you need. Hold-up play comes down to two things. Obviously, your body. Physically, your ability to do it. I think he fails there. But then also, hold-up play is like an intensely technical thing. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. It's a lot about how you use your hands. It's about how you orient yourself on opposition center back's hips. It's, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot that it takes to learn. And I would say maybe it's the hardest thing to learn as a center forward. And I don't think we have any reason to believe Sancho can do any of it. And so I think what, what's likely to happen if you play him there is that he's going to drop deeper and deeper in the same way that we were worried Bruno might play in that position. And then it just screws up your orientation in the final third. I, I'm against that. I largely, I largely agree, but I just think that's a very green view of the other options that United have. Um, I think Ronaldo's totally flawed on the ball at this stage. Rashford's technically very inconsistent, and he can't, he can't receive with contact from defenders, anyways. Um, I mean, I guess you could try Elanga, but like... I would rather see Rashford or Elanga. Yeah, I, I think ultimately that's because it has less to do with their ability to, to, to engage in hold-up play and more to do with the fact that I think they offer an off-ball threat in behind that Sanjo wouldn't. Okay, I'll present you three options. Rank them. Okay. Number one is Rashford or Elanga at nine and Bruno at ten. Number two is Rashford or Elanga at nine and Sancho at 10. And number three is Sancho at nine and Bruno at 10. Definitely first for me is Sancho at 10, Rashford or Longa at nine. Basically, the question you're asking me here after that is status quo, which is basically Bruno behind Rashford or get Sancho in the side in a suboptimal manner so that we can keep Bruno in the side. I'm saying we don't have the proven perfect 10. We don't have the proven perfect nine. What can we create from the options we have that is the most right? I, I, and I'll also throw in you can you can you can reject all of them and pick Ronaldo as well. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think all of the I think 
those two options are bad options, and we will not be very good going forward this season with either of those options. I'm already consigned to that. So yeah. I'm just looking for the best of the three. I, 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 I guess you try Sancho at, at number nine, but like, it, I think it'll be a fail. I increasingly believe there's no way we can get through this season scoring the goals that we need to score with Bruno as the 10 and Rashford or Ronaldo as the nine. Like we are not going to finish top four like that. Uh, and it has nothing to do. It, 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 it has less to do with the quality of those players and more to do with the problems that this team has and how those players profiles fit into the team. Okay. I guess the point I was going for is that I think it's necessary to get that carrying and on ball um, ability into the central areas advanced in the team. I agree. And I I think the fact that you ranked, you ranked the most conventional option, which was Rashford slash Alanga at nine and Bruno at 10 as the worst option of those three suggests that you agree. Sure. Sure. But I I guess I'm just lower on, I, I think we'll be really bad either way, whether it's the conventional option or the Sancho as a nine option. I think they both are bad options. Well, yeah. The ideal is to have Martial fit, ultimately. And that's still not... Which is which is not even ideal, right? Because Martial's not a high-output goal scorer. But structurally, I think that's the ideal. And that allows you to play virtually anyone at 10 and virtually anyone at left wing with Anthony at right wing and still be relative... And get relatively the best out of the other players. Um... But without that, I think it's going to be a very long season of trying to figure out attacking combinations. And I think you might find that one of the best ones involves Sancho centrally at either 10 or 9. I think at that point, we should probably take a break. But we'll be back with some... I want to talk about Newcastle. I just want to talk about them. I think they're a cool, fun team. And then we're going to do a little bit of Q&A before we wrap up our 10th episode of Devils in the Details. All right, we're back. I wanted to take a look ahead, mostly to the next week. Before I get to Newcastle, is there anything you'd like to see in the next Ammonia game? Yeah, I mean, I think I would like to see more dynamism from the forwards, just more generally more movement, uh, trying to support one another more, uh, create overloads, get in behind. Even when, even when Ammonia are sat deep, this is not a great disciplined block you can still get behind this block and cut cut the ball back and create chances. And that's really what I want to see. Otherwise, I think a big part of that is the fullbacks getting further forward. Obviously, they need to pick their spots, and uh, I'm not in charge of the tactics, but I I think if, if United want to score more, the fullbacks need to have a, a bigger role. Either that or the midfielders need to have a much bigger role. Because right now, I think... You, you you can't expect the front four to, to create everything on their own. So those, those are the big things with, for, with ammonia for me. And then don't concede anything. Just go out there and, and control the match. If you can't control the match against a Cypriot side, who are you expecting to control matches against? Yeah, other than Sancho at 10. I mean, I don't know. I... Like, I don't want to bring it up again, but I think in general, it's a good opportunity to experiment. We should be able to dominate this team. Like, I don't know. it. They were really poor. Like, they were one of the worst teams I've seen United play, even in the Europa League. Like, they're not a team that should be giving you trouble. 
and United are playing strong teams against them, and that's fine, but they have to figure out a way to control the match, um, regardless of how that is, whether it's something different or whether it's something the same that's just done better. They have to do better. Other than that, I think it's a good chance to talk about Newcastle. Um, this is going to be tougher than anything we've seen since the Derby, I think. Newcastle are a really fun side with some really interesting players that I wanted to talk about. We'll start with the sort of potentially won't be available ones. Alexander Isak, Joel Linton, and Alan St. Maximin. They're all relative uncertainties because of injury. It sounds like they've all been training, but Eddie Howe's been easing their recovery. What should people expect from those three if they start? Case, is there any that you particularly want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think St. Maximin is the one. I think they're all very good players. Um, I think St. Maximin is the one you're most worried about just because, and I think most Premier League viewers know this, but he's one of the best uh, 1v1 wingers in the world. Um, and he has been since he was in France. Just generally has everything you want in, in a, a player as, a, as, an, as an isolated dribbling threat. And I think for a side like Newcastle, who are trying to make that break from the mid-table into the European spots, he's a really important piece. Even when Newcastle were awful, St. Maximum was pretty impressive in that he sort of kept them alive. So yeah, I think he's the, he's the one I'd really like to not see play. Um, Isak, obviously, really exciting player, pretty inconsistent. I'm not actually sure he'd start over Callum Wilson right now, but I really like him as a prospect. Um, and then Joe Ellington uh, could be a physical problem for our midfield, depending on how we set up. What about you? Yeah, that's a that's a Casemiro problem. Joe Linton is so much fun because he is this like battering ram midfielder, but he also has this just the strangest role. Like he'll go on these long marauding like carrying runs where he just like shoves everyone off the ball and then moves it like thirty yards forward. He'll hit these like massive diagonal passes that just hit the fullback like he's some like seasoned central midfielder. I think where you kind of find the limitations in his passing game are more in the short range and in like technical security in very tight spaces. He also often plays as a back-to-goal receiver with the goalkeeper going longer into him. Obviously, his history is a striker. He's a, he's a big man. He can receive it to feet. So the goalkeeper will go long to him, and then he'll just play the ball off to the other central midfielders. And Newcastle have some other really good central midfielders, so that's how they often get those guys in good areas. And he's just a really interesting player to watch. I think tactically he has one of the most unique like individual player roles in the Premier League. And yeah, I, I don't know, I just find him really fun. St. Maximin's been one of my favorites for years. I thought he was next in line after Grealish and Rafinha to get the big move for a winger in the Premier League. Um, but he does struggle a bit with injuries, so I'm not sure if that's going to halt his ability. And now Newcastle are pretty much expected to be in the big leagues within the next few years, so I don't think I see him moving now. And Isak, yeah, I mean, Newcastle have executed this rebuild very interestingly. They've gotten... Cheap players in the older bracket, in the more experienced bracket, who can add to the team immediately and help fill the gaps. And then they're slowly filling the team with these younger, um, high-end prospects that the top European clubs are sort of missing out on. And Isak is the latest one, where he should have been entertaining interest from the top clubs about a year ago, and then for whatever reason, none of those moves came off, and then he had a bit of an off-year with Sociedad for a variety of reasons. And that opened the door for Newcastle to come in and beat other clubs to a signature. And I think the young striker market is heavily imperfect. There's a lot of there's no great like, prospects, good yeah. players with flaws. 
Yeah, so it's an imperfect striker market, and he's one of the best ones in it. So the fact that they were able to get him is pretty impressive. And like Case implied, Callum Wilson's also a very prolific goal scorer at this level. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all really good, but I, I would keep my eye out for Joel Linton and, and St. Maximin as probably the two most unique players Newcastle have. How about Gimmer Reich? I mean, I don't know about unique, but he's their best player. <laughs> just, just so we're clear, we're talking about Bruno Gimmer Reich. I, th- I think if you drop him into almost any side in the league, he starts, except for City. Any team in the world, except for yeah. like two or three. He's like straight walking. He's a brilliant player. Heavy pressing game that makes him a huge plus out of possession. Great passing range, short and long, gets it out of feet quickly, press resistant, can receive at any angle, can hit it at any angle. He can carry when he needs to. Um, he His turning is, is quick. He threads the lines. His passing is both progressive and creative, which is not that common. He also has now been scoring goals. Had a brace um, I don't know what his XG been... looks like. Yeah, he did. Um, so he's playing this number sort of, he's been switching between a deep lying playmaker, number six role and a sort of number eight in front of a number six role, um, throughout his time at Newcastle. And he's been absolutely brilliant in both. He is, in my opinion, after Rafinha left the best footballer outside the top six in the Premier League. And I don't think it's particularly close. And I say this all with a huge amount of shade because United didn't sign him in January. It's just complete stupidity. Um, the fee that he was able to be signed for is ridiculously low for a player of this quality. He plays in a in a role that is actually rare. Like these players are not easy to find. If you look in the Premier League, you'll find that someone like Ruben Neves is up there when he's like not even close in quality to a player like Gimaresh. So I'm I find myself frustrated that United missed out on that and then spent the whole summer trying to get Frankie and are now they have one player in this position and it's a 30-year-old attacking midfielder. But, yeah, he's a brilliant player and just totally, like, totally changes their ability to dominate games in in the middle of the park. A perfect example of how an excellent midfielder can take a normal team to be a very good team in possession. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think Eddie Howe's done a really good job coaching them, so I I think it's a little more complex than that, but, yeah... He's massively elevated this team. He's young. He's now going to be inaccessibly expensive, so he's just totally off the market. Forget about him. Yeah. Frustrating. <laughs> it's a little frustrating when we talk about the issues we've had this season, which sort of brings me to my next talking point with Newcastle. Before the first uh, match of the season, Aaron, you and I had our, had the first episode of this podcast, and we said this bright that the Brighton match would be sort of a litmus test to see where this team was um, because... They're not a top six side, so there's really no excuse to bunker down. Um, we should be able to play this side uh, straight up, take over the game, control it, go score goals. But it's also a team that is really good, um, and you could make the argument is better than us, and is definitely further along in their process than us. So, yeah, what are your expect- expectations going into this game? Oh, I don't know. I think if they try to play to dominate the game, there's a chance they get rolled. Um, by Rashford, mainly. Um, I think that's something that Eddie Howe could end up doing. I think that's something we've seen them do. I highly doubt we're going to walk over them, even if that's what should happen. I don't think they're as suffocating as Potter's Brighton. Like, Potter's Brighton are a really, really strong pressing team out of possession, and that makes it really difficult to play out of them, and I think that was one of the main issues United were having. I don't think Newcastle are that strong in that regard, but I think they have better players 
who, if you give them the time and space, will totally punish you. Like players like Gimarash, Joel Linton, St. Maximin Wilson, Isak, even players like Kieran Trippier at the back. Like if you give players like that space and time on the ball in good areas, they'll win the game. They'll win the game for Newcastle. And that's something that you can get away with against Brighton, even though you may have less of a chance of your own, but you won't get away with that against Newcastle. They've got some players who are who could play for the top sides in Europe and the top sides in the league. Yeah, I generally agree. Um, I'm really worried about this match. If we perform well, it'll be super, super encouraging. Very good sign. Going into tougher games. Um, if we perform poorly, uh, honestly, I've got a bad feeling about this match. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I have a feeling it could be kind of gross. Um, and, 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 and reveal... I mean, not really reveal. We already know, but rehash and punish United for some uncomfortable truths that we've faced over the last few weeks since the sort of Arsenal win. I don't think it's been smooth sailing for United. Um, and I think maybe the fixture cancellations play a part as well, but it's hard to say. And yeah, United will have to be at their best to win this. They'll have to be as good as they've been against pretty much anyone else in order to in order to win this game. And if they do win, that's a great sign. And I think Ammonia has a good chance to get something actually good off the ground. Make it three wins in a row. If you have three wins in a row and the most recent one is a good win. If United go into that match with, with some confidence, I think that could help a lot. I mean, I'm speculating at this point, but I think this team is lacking in confidence. And having three wins in a row with a good performance against a weak team could be a good place to go into this game with. Shut them down defensively, like, they're gonna Gimaresh especially is gonna make things really difficult in midfield. Um, you don't want to let their wingers isolate your fullbacks one v one, especially Saint Maximin against Dalo. I could see that ending badly. Saint Maximin is really good at timing his release, and people don't really realize that he is he is not a bad decision maker relative to how high volume of a dribbler he is. You don't want to let that happen. You don't want to give them space. Any of their all of their players who play in the key creative positions, fullbacks, higher midfielders, deeper midfielders, they're all good on the ball, and they can all hurt you in different ways. So you don't want to give them the chance to do that. And then if they do give you chances in transition, you can totally win the game. I know I know, especially with this rebuild and with this manager, you want to see United dominate them. I don't think that's likely. I think it's likely to be a 50-50 game. I think United are likely to get good good looks in transition. And I think United have to keep winning. So it's not the it's not the worst thing to win in transition if it means that you were disciplined out of possession, won the ball back, broke quickly, and took your chances. I agree. I agree. Uh, so do you have a lineup prediction? Lineup prediction? Well, it depends on Ammonia. But I'll, I'll go with De Gea, Dalo, Varane. Varane came on, so let's go Varane. Lissandro, Shaw, Casemiro, Erickson, Bruno, Anthony... I would like to see Sancho, but I think it will be Ronaldo and Rashford. Okay, I, I'm going to... I think my, my lineup is the same, except I actually think there's a chance Martial is available this weekend, and if he is, I think he will start. Well, if that's that, then I'd drop Sancho and Ronaldo and play Martial, probably. Like I said, I would like to see Sancho tried at 10 against Ammonia, and if that were to be tried and he totally dominated the game, I might change my mind, but Martial and Bruno. Yeah, um, agree. Same lineup for me. Awesome. Okay. Let's do some Q&A. First one from United Realist. Could you guys cover the role for Donny when fit? I think there is a role there with Bruno at false nine, especially against lower blocks. Donny could easily move into spaces that Bruno drags defenders from. Curious to know what solutions we could look for. 
I personally don't think Bruno should play at false nine, but I do think there's a role for Donny. We talked a lot about carrying for midfield. I don't think Donny is the ultimate carrier for midfield, but I think he's more willing. I would be willing to try Donny pretty much anywhere at this point that sees him get actual minutes. I think he could be a solution at 10 for that matter. That seems obvious given that he is a number 10. I just see him as a player who is strong at a lot of the things that United are currently weak at. It's a similar situation to Sancho where I don't really have a basis on performances to actually say he should play. It's a bit different in that he hasn't been given chances, where Sancho has. But either way, I think their skill sets need to be in the team for United to play the way they intend to play properly. And for that reason, I would look to use him in anywhere that there's an opening, basically. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I made a a big point earlier on today talking about how there isn't that horizontal pass when the wingers have the ball wide into the half space on the last line for United's uh, wingers. Donny is a direct solution to that. That is something he does naturally. Previous to his Manchester United stint, even at Manchester United, he has done that. Uh, in the sm- short cameos he has had, he is a box presence. Uh, he scored on his debut doing exactly that. There's definitely a role for him in this team, and we, there's been a lot made of the fact that he's been iced out, but the reality is he's hurt. There's some pretty direct addressing of that at the weekend. I don't know whether he's actually going to have a role at this point because it's you know we're two and a half years down the line. I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to leave in January. I wouldn't be surprised if he does, but I do still believe there's an impact he can have on this team. Whether it's with Bruno as a false nine or not, I don't know. Okay, so uh, Aaron, let me pick a question for you. Okay, uh, so we talked a lot about Martial today, Aaron. Uh, with his constant injury issues, and this question is from Asakar. Asakar, let me know if I'm butchering your name. Um, with his constant injury issues, would you just cut your losses in the summer and sell him, uh, despite his talent, simply because he can't be relied upon? This is easier sort of suggested than answered, really, because... I think injury issues are probably the biggest detractor for potential buyers. I think what you often end up with is a situation where the value Martial can actually provide to United is greater than the value that other teams are willing to pay for him because they suspect he won't be available for large parts of their seasons. So it's hard to say. I think Martial is a flawed number nine. I think he's also quite clearly the best number nine that united have in the current squad yeah i think it's hard to argue so (laughs) yeah so with that said logically all things equal you would sign the better number nine to replace him and then he would be the second choice because you're not going to sign two number nines next summer so would i sell him probably not would I rely on him? Definitely not. Agreed. Um, I found Martial to be an extremely frustrating striker, not just for the injury reasons, I think, and not, not even just for his form reasons. I think when even when he's on form, he creates problems for the side. That said, we are not getting two strikers next summer, and right now we have generously one, uh, and he is that one. So even if, he gets, even if he's hurt this whole season on and off, you cannot sell him. We've talked about this a lot off air. I think it's worth noting that I'm actually a very big Martial fan. During his youth days, like especially under Van Hall, I thought he was absolutely oh, brilliant. Too. Like yeah. brilliant. And you look at his numbers and they were really good. He played mostly left wing for 
he actually played about 55% of his minutes at striker in that season. But I think the traits that he presented made it very clear that he should never have been converted away from left wing. Um, he, he is a brilliant dribbler, a really good ball retainer, a decent passer, and a very good passer in combination with other players. He is the type of player you get on the ball to get you deep into the final third and unsettle the opposition defense before making the pass that perhaps creates the goal or the action that leads to the goal. And people have sort of lost that sort of vision of him as a player because he's a really good finisher. I agree with that. People often associate really good finishers with really good strikers, right? But that's not the case. Really good strikers are really good at creating shots, not necessarily putting them away. And so in the ideal team, I believe Martial should have been a sort of 15-goal, 10-assist, lots-of-creative-impact winger. That's what I would envision Martial as today. But what he became under Solskjaer was this back-to-goal, link-up-play striker, where you're really using a subset of his technical ability, which was mainly his dribbling and close control. And you've taken that and you've made it a subset, and you've exacerbated the issues he has with fashioning high-quality shots while limiting his ability to influence the, the match on the ball because he's the most advanced player in the team. So you've basically taken away the best aspects of Martial as a player and exacerbated the weaker parts of Martial as a player. So I firmly believe he should never have been converted. I feel like that's important when discussing him because I think often I can now sound quite dismissive of Martial. I totally think he was a great talent that we just somewhere along the line got wrong in terms of a development trajectory. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I, I, Martial was my favorite player in the team for years. And I agree, we, we totally dropped the ball when it came to his um, his development. And I agree, he was, he was a winger. Hopefully he's, he gets healthy, and hopefully this conversation is irrelevant. Uh, this question comes from Danilo. Do you think Maguire has the ability to change his game and eventually play regularly for Ten Hag? I think he has the ability in isolation, definitely. I think we're at a point with the fan base, his confidence, just generally where he's at mentally, based on the comments he's making in the press and his form, that he should probably go. I think it's just better because of exactly how toxic the environment has become and how how much of a joke he's become. Definitely unfairly. Regardless of your perceptions of his form, there was a point where it flipped from criticism to just like vitriol, and I I don't see him recovering from that because I think a lot of people don't want to see him recover from that. And also, it's really hard to do, and, and it's, it's a team full of really good players, and he's not that young. So I think it's probably just best if we cut our losses at this point. Yeah. As it stands, I would be inclined to agree. I think it's a shame because in isolation, as you say, um, I think he's the best center back for the system after Lissandro. Yeah. I think his ability on the ball is better than both Varane and Lindelof and I think he's a better defender than Lindelof at least I think at his best people diminished the the problem is he was genuinely very very good for the first two seasons when he joined United ending in a very good appearance at the Euros and that wasn't that wasn't noise that was player ability like he was great on the ball really good passer, 
really good carrier of the ball. He gave life to United's buildup when there wasn't that much. He was a super dominant aerial defender. Like, we're talking second or third in the Premier League. He was a pretty good ground defender. There was a lot of criticism about high lines, but United played for a, played with a high line for two seasons under Solskjaer. And I wouldn't say the pressing was a particularly effective, but they didn't concede that many goals despite playing in this high line. So people saying you can't play in a high line because of his pace are misguided. And they're also you also might argue like, oh, he needs a partner to protect him. But it was Victor Lindelof who would protect him worse than Lissandro would anyways. The Maguire that played in that system could be effective, but I think there have been some changes. Number one, like Case alluded to, was, you know, decline in form. The team got worse, and it was coincided with conceding a lot of goals. He's the captain. He's the main center back. He took a lot of hell for the goals. He made a lot of high-profile mistakes. I don't think he made more high-profile mistakes than other players in United's back four, but all of them made high-profile mistakes, and he's the most high-profile name, so... He's the one who got the most sort it's of It's also aesthetically goofy. Um, and that never goes over well when your things are going poorly. This, Phil Jones suffered from the same thing. Aesthetically goofy. Not even a bad player, but aesthetically goofy. Especially because he's a center back whose main ability, I think, is on the ball. That doesn't... When you don't look like you're a good player on the ball, whether you're effective or not, that's how most people look at the game. So that's how he's going to come across. The factor that Case didn't really talk about that I want to address is his fitness. Maguire, Shaw, and Rashford, in that period with the Europa League final and the Euros, seemed to play matches with multiple injuries. And in my opinion, at least watching Maguire, besides confidence, it could be confidence, he doesn't look as fit as he looked during that period. I think playing players with injuries generally is a bad idea. I thought playing Maguire with injuries is a bad idea. I thought playing Shaw and Rashford with the injuries they had and their past and Shaw's past history with injuries was ridiculous. And I think it will be like a very, very good thing to see them get back to the form that they were in before those injuries, because I think there has been a number done on their fitness. If that's the case and he can't get his fitness back, it's really unreasonable or, or infeasible to predict that he's going to be as good as he was in those two seasons. And if he's not, United can replace him with someone younger. And so I would get to the stage of selling him. So I guess my answer is, Maguire at his best is good enough, I think, to be a starter in this team, in the final form of this team. But we don't have a lot of reason to suggest that he'll get back to his best. And we also don't have the sort of insider's book on what's going on with this situation. So if it's the case that there isn't good enough reason to believe he can get back to that level... I would let him move on and try and revive his career in a place where he will be more appreciated. Yep, I agree with all of that. Okay, Aaron, uh, my question for you is from Simon Hunter, who asked, who actually fits what ETH wants from the current squad? I'm going to interpret fit, for, for ease of answering, I'm going to interpret fit as good enough player and, and, and their style fits the system. Yeah. So both. The players I would put in the bracket of both would be Lissandro, Shaw, if he can find his which form again. Which looks like maybe he has. Which, it looked like he has a chance, yeah. based on the Everton performance, at least. Dalo, I think, could get there. Right now, he is a good fit, but I'm not sure he is quite at that level. K 
Casemiro, probably. I think he's going to continue to get better as he gets fitter and plays more minutes for United. Do you think he's a stylistic fit as well? I think he could be. It's. I think it's hard with Ten Hag because people project his style with his past teams onto what his ideal current teams would be. And I don't think that's how he sees it. I think he sees it as, I'm going to build a system based on what I have. Um, it's not like Pep, for example, where he has this idea of what every player needs to do because he hasn't managed a team with that level of resources and that level of board cohesion. So instead he comes up with these solutions. So in a world where Edson Alvarez is Ajax's starting defensive midfielder, I think Casemiro is a much better player and a better fit for that sort of role and a good fit for that sort of role. But I don't know whether Ten Hag's ideal system has Casemiro in central midfield. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I think to a certain extent, it's a little bit of an underestimation of exactly how coherent and rich Ajax is as a, as a side, uh, because he, he really did have at his disposable, just, just disposal, just about everything you could ask for um, in his previous stint. Uh, maybe not on a European level, but on a domestic level, he got the players he needed when he wanted them. Uh, even if he didn't have a, a direct hand in exactly who was purchased, the profiles were almost always there for him. So I'm not sure I entirely agree. So you think Alvarez is like an ideal profile? I don't think necessarily an ideal profile. But I do think you can look back at his previous teams and, and search for answers as to what his ideal profiles are. So less of an objection on Casemiro's front and more of an objection on generally. I think you can tell what he likes. Okay. Well, in that case, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit more bullish about Casemiro and say that in a team with two other really good possession midfielders, I think he can be the guy. Anthony, I, don't, I, I haven't loved his start, but I think he's a good player and I think he suits the system. Sancho, I have hope for. So after the initial list of players who I think fit both the description of good enough and fit his system, I would classify Lissandro, Shaw, let's throw in Dalo, Anthony, um, and Casemiro in that bracket. And, and we'll throw in Sancho as well. I will go into the next brackets, which are one of those two things. In the bracket of like, I think they're good enough to be regular contributors, but don't particularly fit his system. I would have Varane, Fred, Marcial and Rashford probably, Bruno, and then in the bracket of fit his system really well, but I'm not convinced they're good enough to be starters at this level or they haven't proven it, I would have Donny, Malasia, Elanga, and then Sancho would also go in that category if you want to argue that he hasn't proven his quality yet. Yeah, I think I agree with that exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think essentially... I don't think United squad is bad. I think they're crucially missing. Like if you look at the players I just listed, there's a few types of players who are like crucially yeah. missing from that. A goalkeeper. A striker. Huge. <laughs> a striker. Huge. Oh, I missed Erickson. Erickson is like, my concern with Erickson is I would put him in the category of like good enough, but doesn't quite fit the system. I would, I would say he's a really good passer and I would say his technical ability suits the system relatively, but that's more just him being good. Whereas I would say, like, I wouldn't compare him linearly to someone like Frankie de Jong or Ryan Gravenberg, where I think those players are really, really good at things like carrying the ball, dribbling. I think they're more dynamic on the ball that I think are really missing from this side. 
And that's why I think you'll see Ten Hag go for Frankie again next summer. Yeah, I think I agree for the most part with that. I think Erickson is part of his ideal side. Maybe not as a starter, but I do think initially there was an expectation that he was going to be able to be more creative with how he used Erickson because there was going to be more... Uh, there were going to be more midfielders who could do what Erickson does in the deeper areas of the pitch. Um, I, I definitely think he sees Erickson as critical to what he's doing. Uh, maybe not in the role he's doing it right now. Uh, I think with that, we're going to wrap it up, right, Eric? Yeah, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for sticking with us for 10 episodes. And we've got some really cool stuff planned over the next few weeks. Starting with next week, we have a special preview episode planned for the special fixtures against Spurs and Chelsea. Hope you enjoyed this week's Devils in the Details. You can follow us at Devils ITD Pod on Twitter or on a variety of streaming platforms. Our awesome theme music was made by Jacob Connor. You can find at Jacob J. Connor on Twitter. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.